Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church, and we are now on day 142 of our three-year journey through the Bible, one chapter at a time, and we come to the second chapter of Leviticus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, which is rich and full of beautiful truth and wonderful pictures. Father, we pray that you would Show us today your truth through Leviticus chapter 2. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Leviticus chapter 2. When anyone brings a grain offering as an offering to the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour. He shall pour oil on it and put frankincense on it and bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests. And he shall take from it a handful of fine flour and oil with all of its frankincense, and the priest shall burn this as a memorial portion on the altar, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But the rest of the grain offering shall be for Aaron and his sons. It is a most holy part of the Lord's food offerings. When you bring a grain offering baked in the oven as an offering, it shall be unleavened loaves of fine flour mixed with oil, or unleavened wafers smeared with oil. And if your offering is a grain offering baked on a griddle, it shall be of fine flour unleavened mixed with oil. You shall break it in pieces and pour oil on it. It is a grain offering. And if your offering is a grain offering cooked in a pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. And you shall bring the grain offering that is to be made of these things to the Lord. And when it is presented to the priest, he shall bring it to the altar. And the priest shall take from the grain offering its memorial portion and burn this on the altar, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But the rest of the grain offering shall be for Aaron and his sons. It is a most holy part of the Lord's food offerings." No grain offering that you bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven, for you shall burn no leaven nor any honey as a food offering to the Lord. As an offering of first fruits, you may bring them to the Lord, but they shall not be offered on the altar for a pleasing aroma. You shall season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. If you offer a grain offering of first fruits to the Lord, you shall offer for the grain offering of your first fruits fresh ears, roasted with fire, crushed new grain, and you shall put oil on it and lay frankincense on it. It is a grain offering, and the priest shall burn it as a memorial portion. Sorry, shall burn as its memorial portion some of the crushed grain and some of the oil with all of its frankincense. It is a food offering to the Lord. So in chapter two, we we make a, a departure here from the offering of animals and blood sacrifices to the offering of grain and grain sacrifices. Now, grain offerings were not offerings of to cover guilt or sin uh, or to provide purity. So if we go back to the beginning of the Bible, Cain and Abel, remember that Cain brought some of the produce of the field 
and offered it up to the Lord. But Abel brought the firstborn of his flocks and their fat portions. So there, there's a lot of different interpretations of why Cain's offering was rejected and Abel's was accepted. Part of it is because Cain never brought blood and wasn't in faith looking for forgiveness for his sins. He also didn't bring the first fruit, so it wasn't an offering of faith. An offering of first fruits, like we see at the end of Leviticus 2, is an offering of faith because you're you're giving to God the first that you've received, trusting him to provide more. So that's the firstborn of the animals and the first fruits of the grain. But so Abel's offering was in faith. It was also a better picture of what he really needed, which is forgiveness from sin, which requires the shedding of blood. As Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So here we're not dealing really with sin offerings. We're dealing with grain offerings. And a grain offering is a way of acknowledging to God that everything we have received comes from him and belongs to him. It's also a way of providing grain for the priests. The priests got all of their subsistence from the temple worship. And so that's where they got their meat and that's where they got their grain. I do think there's a picture in there uh, of the idea that if someone is in uh, full-time service to the Lord in, in gospel ministry as a pastor, uh, they should get their living from the gospel that they are laboring in. Paul says that later. Uh, I think that's part of what's being pictured here. You don't want to take that too far because pastors of churches today are not priests distinct from the rest of God's people. We're all priests and there's only one high priest, Jesus. You don't want to take it too far, but the idea that the priests who are serving in the temple as their, as their calling should then get their living from what's brought into the temple, I think is a good picture for how congregations should be supporting pastors today. But the grain offering here, there's some interesting requirements. They always had to have oil and frankincense. Oil is used for anointing. It's associated with the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's used for consecration. Frankincense is part of what was burned before the Lord as incense, as a pleasing aroma. So the frankincense would make it a pleasing aroma and prayerful and worshipful. And the oil would put on it that sort of sign of anointing, of being sanctified, of being set apart. So part of the grain offering was offered up to the Lord as a memorial portion or as a a. a uh, tithe portion, right? And so then the rest of it would go to the priest for the priest to be able to, if it was a, a raw grain offering, they could cook it and eat it. If it was a, a cake offering, they could go ahead and eat it. Leaven was not to be used. So no leaven, no yeast. It was always to be unleavened, probably because leaven uh, functions as a symbol for bad influence, corrupting influence. Uh, and so that what you want to keep the offering pure. So there's no leaven, but you do have oil and frankincense. And then later, there's a reference to the salt. You should season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of your covenant with your God be missing. So here it's specifically called the salt of the covenant with your God. Salt is a preservative. And so you put salt in there as a, as a sign of the covenant, that the covenant is a permanent covenant relationship between God and his people. And you put salt in your grain offering to remind you that you are in covenant relationship with God as his people and that that covenant is everlasting. Now with the first fruit offering of grain, it's a little bit different because you actually bring the fresh ears 
of grain roasted with fire. So you can actually have like a, a head of wheat or a head of barley or uh, whatever, and you roast that with fire. And then you can, and you fresh, uh, fresh crush it when it's roasted with fire. And then you put the oil and the frankincense on it. And then again, you get the memorial portion that's burned. And then the, the priest keeps the rest of it. So again, I think this is a reminder to us that everything we have belongs to the Lord, that we should really be freely open-handed with everything that God gives us. We shouldn't be stingy and holding on to anything, but we should realize that everything, because we are holy, we're set apart by the blood of Christ, we belong to the Lord. Everything we own is holy and set apart and belongs to the Lord. And we should freely and willingly offer up to God uh, our tithe, our full tithe for sure, but also free will offerings and we should be seeking to bless others with what God has given us. And I also think there's some principles here of making sure that the pastor of your church is well supported and also making sure that your worship, so other things, making sure that your worship is holy, that what you're giving to God on Sunday morning when you gather for worship with God's people on the Lord's Day morning, that that's your best. You want to come prepared. You want to come not having corrupting influence, not distracted. You want to come as a covenant relationship with, with God, which is permanent, to see yourself as part of God's people. That's why it's so important. It's so vital to gather together with God's people for worship on, on the Lord's Day morning. So it's a, it's a picture of us of, of, of pure worship, of worship that's not corrupt, of worship that's pleasing to God, of worship that needs the Holy Spirit to make, to make our worship really uh, active and, and real and vital. Like we saw at the end of Exodus, we need the Holy Spirit's presence to make our worship what it's supposed to be, which is a meeting with God. And finally, we do see a picture of Christ here because Christ is the bread of life and he is the one who sustains us and nourishes our souls. So whenever we see grain offering, we can think of Christ as the bread of life who offered himself up so that our souls, not only could our sins be forgiven, which is important, but also our souls could be nourished. And that's pictured in the Lord's Supper as we have the cup, which represents the blood that takes away our sin. And then we have the bread, which represents Christ as the bread of life who nourishes our souls. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for the privilege of being able to worship you together with your people. We pray that you would take our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you and that you would be pleased with our lives, and that we would desire to live wholly, unreservedly for you in every aspect of our life. Help us to worship you in spirit and in truth when we gather on Sunday mornings. Help us to bless other people in your name, and help us to always have our souls be nourished by the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, tomorrow, we are going to be jumping back over to Romans. Romans chapter 7 is on tap for tomorrow. I hope you can join us for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm -hmm.